Hello, hello everybody. Welcome back to Our New World. There's been great reaction to Alexandra's episode on overpopulation a couple of weeks ago. We had a load of emails in that we forwarded onto her and hopefully we can follow up with another episode, which would be fantastic. Remember to keep emailing in to max at marvonline.org for any feedback, any suggestions, any uh, people who are actually wanting to be guests because we want that a lot. It's been great so far, so thank you again. Today's topic is a little different. Today's topic is all about money, all about Wall Street, all about success, entrepreneurship. I'm kind of joking, of course, because it is about those things, but it's also about how to integrate them into this new wave of environmentalism that we're seeing. Entrepreneurship has typically been seen as this quite intense, male-dominated, money-driven world that's actually a cause of a lot of the environmental damage that we see today. But that doesn't always have to be the case, and that sounds like a fairly obvious thing to say now, but up until quite recently in my life, I hadn't really seen entrepreneurship as having a potentially positive impact on the environment. But what I love about these two guests today is that they epitomise that kind of combination of the two worlds, where you can still be driven, you can still want to be successful, you can still want to make a profit margin, and you can do it all in the name of doing something positive, not just for the environment, but also socially. So today we're going to have a conversation with two green entrepreneurs. And I hear you asking, Max, what on earth is a green entrepreneur? I don't know. But what I do know is that it sounds good and it kind of matches what we're trying to get at here, which is entrepreneurship with a positive impact on the environment. I might sound a little giddy during this episode because Pound and Maddie, the co-founders and CEOs of Tomojo, are two good friends of mine. We study together and I've been lucky enough to sort of see the development of their company, Tomojo. Created in November 2017, Tomojo's mission is to promote natural, healthy and traceable food for pets while preserving the planet. Tomojo sells dog and cat food elaborated with insects bred in the Netherlands. Tomojo is the story of two friends, Madeline and Paola, both in their mid-twenties still, who after having completed a master's degree in environmental sciences at Imperial College London, embarked on a sustainable entrepreneurship pet food journey. These two are intelligent, they are inspiring, and most of all, I think they're quite relevant. It sounds like an odd way to describe people. But in a changing world that cares about the environment, it cares about mental health, and it also cares about self-actualization, I think these two are absolutely wonderful people to be listening to right now. Hello. Hello, Paola. Hello, Maddie. How are you doing? Hello, Max. Good. Thank you so much for giving me your time. Pleasure. Oh, thank you. Good. So first of all, could you tell me a little bit about Tomojo and what the company is and the ethos behind it? Sure. So Tomojo is an insect-based pet food company that Paola and I launched three years ago now. Um, so we started selling online and um, with time we've now added like different brands and different distribution channels. But the reason why we really wanted to set up an insect-based pet food company was to try and reduce the environmental footprint of households via a very small change in their daily habits was just switching their pets' diets. Great. And you, there's also a health aspect, isn't there? Because you talk about the re reduction of antibiotics, and that seems really important, for, particularly for pet food. 
right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we can dive into why insects. Um, but yeah, so basically we use insects because they're very interesting in terms of health benefits. So it's a very uh, healthy protein source. So we use insects that are raised in uh, Holland and um, they don't need antibiotics like a lot of um, fish farms need. Intensive fish farms need antibiotics. And they also um, are very uh, high in amino acids. And they also are very well digested by dogs and cats. Cats is a bit more complicated, but they can get used to insects because it's a new source of protein. But um, yeah, in, in general, they're like very, very healthy. And also what we really try and um, tell our clients is that it's very transparent. What we mean by transparent is that we know exactly where the protein comes from, because often in pet food, people don't really know what kind of protein is in there. It, it often varies with whatever the course of meat or whatever. So um, with insects, we know exactly where it comes from and um, who's bred them and yeah, in which conditions. Especially in North America, the legislation is very loose, so they can take basically anything, that, any offal from the meat and, and, and put it in the pet food and it could be hair or anything, nails. Oh God. Uh, very mm. low quality. Yeah, well that's really, I feel like there's a massive push for like organic foods in humans, but it must be quite difficult to kind of suss out what's in your animal food. Exactly, and um, the thing is, there's a trend uh, towards humanization of, of the pets and you know, they tend to give it more uh, high quality meat and everything, but this goes into competition with human meat and has a terrible impact on the environment because, you know, we know that meat has a big impact on the environment. So if you take a noble piece of meat and you give it to your dogs or your cats, then you, it's, it's like giving prime steak to your, to your cat or your dog. It's, it's not good for the environment. Well, again, it's, it's all linked to the, to the sort of veggie movement, which I think we'll come on to a bit. But first, um, because you guys, you guys grew up together, didn't you? And I think that there's a little story of how this kind of evolved and I just think it's really lovely that's because I don't I don't know all of it but I think it's lovely kind of how the company came to so could you give us a bit of a background on you know the where you guys met and what kind of inspired you to start this and where it is now really so uh, we met when we were nine years old and um, I was living in Paris and Madeleine moved from London to Paris and she moved in the apartment downstairs in our building and and because of that uh, our parents obliged us to go to the to go together to school because we were going to the same school and and essentially we we became friends uh, inseparables and we the whole high school together and uh, i studied in canada uh, for university and madeline uh, studied in england and then we did masters together at imperial and then yeah we never stopped uh, you know <laughs> being with each other yeah it was sorry maddie what were you gonna say uh, no no sorry i was just gonna say that um, apologies if you can hear my dog screaming in the background but um yeah I feel like it's very it's very appropriate for the conversation that we're having <laughs> yeah. a dog in, somewhere in the background yeah my insect based pet food um mascots <laughs> <laughs> no I was gonna say yeah so so um well but I said how we met each other and then yeah we did the same masters together and then well that's how we met um, and yeah, during our masters, well, we have to be careful what we say about our masters because you actually did it. But um, they did talk a fair bit about alternative proteins and insect protein. Um, and that didn't really give us the idea to launch an insect-based pet food business then. Um, but we did know that we wanted to launch a business together because we thought 
we get on so well. We love spending time together. We want this to last a bit longer. Um, and then after our masters, we both went off um, doing different things. And then around about a year later, I had this idea pop up in my head of uh, insect-based pet food because in London, my family has a dog called Mojo, uh, hence the name to Mojo. Um, and Mojo weighs 50 kilos. He's a massive rich back. Um, and at the time we used to give him raw meat because that's what the vet said was best for him. And he was slightly overweight. But for me, trying to reduce my environmental impact and basically being a vegetarian, I just thought like it can't be that I'm trying to do every single effort there is to reduce my carbon footprint. And then we're giving raw meat to Mojo. Um, so yeah, so it kind of clicked in my head and I thought, I, get, I guess Mojo won't even notice a difference if we give him insects. Um, whereas for me, I'm very happy to eat vegetable protein on a daily basis, um, but Mojo really needs animal protein. Um, so yeah, that, that's how it started. So there are a few things there that I, I, I want to ask. I've got lots of questions because I just think I love the story. I love how I actually, okay, so just on a point, I thought Tomojo came from entomophagy was that <laughs> yeah. it, was that in there at all or is that just me looking no, at no it? no no sure, yeah no we started off it was entomojo so entomo insect in ancient greek hmm. and mojo my dog but then more and more insect farms were launched and even pet food businesses and one of our competitors is also called entoma something so we thought it's too similar so we're just gonna keep the mojo part which is the most important part and yeah, everyone can have the Entomo part. <laughs> and actually, uh, funny thing, well, we learned that Tomojo means friendship in Japanese. So you can use that in lots of exactly. very, very friendly branding as well. I'll, um, we'll put up some, some images and stuff, but I love the branding of the Tomojo stuff. So I think, didn't you win an award for that? Did we? <laughs> I remember that, okay, maybe I could take this bit out if I need to, but I remember there was something that you got, yes. you got mentioned for your branding. Yes, they were um, they were mentioned in some list uh, American branding things. <laughs> we didn't really follow that. I'll pick it up. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> um, okay, and you said something there about the about Mojo not noticing difference, and that is actually something that I think is quite important because I remember when we when we were doing the masters together, one of our lecturers brought in some insect food and we went down to the front and all tried it and it is different it's not there yet and mm -hmm. so I imagine a big part of it is persuading owners that your, your pets like it right because you don't want to be giving them well I mean people are proud about their pets so how did you test that so um in order to test if um if uh, the the pet owners the pet parents uh, as they call it will like it we we actually baked our own uh, insect based um kibbles and and we distributed it in parks and uh and we were really surprised to 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 learn that a, a lot of pet owners had really no problem in giving insects to the dogs as long as they they could see the dog or the cats eating it and not caring about it, whether it's insect or not so one of the challenges for us is to to get to the dog directly or, or to the cat and we do a lot of sampling um, now now we have more and more ratings from uh, clients so that creates a, a very reassuring atmosphere for for new incoming clients yeah and just going back to kind of the end of that story of you know did the masters and had this idea after you guys left starting the company because this I think the really interesting thing about this is that people don't go into environmentalism thinking I'm going to start a business 
and obviously that depends on you know who I've been hanging out with and who, what people say but it's not something that I find a lot of people are talking about like I'm going to save the world or change the world by making a business because people think business is money focused that's evil to the environment but you have merged these two worlds quite I mean quite beautifully in my opinion but like you said you always wanted to start a business together was it always going to be sustainable and what kind of brought you together with those two ideas and those two worlds Oh, no, definitely. We always wanted to find a sustainable idea. We just couldn't find one. <laughs> like one we had during Imperial was because um, uh, so many people went to the gym back then. And um, we thought all of this energy and no one's using it. But we, we're not engineers, so we had no idea how to go around that. And with insect-based pet food, we thought, OK, we're not a vet. We don't know how to raise insects, but maybe we can just find people who can do that. And we... From, from the first day, I mean, we had like a long list of what we wanted. We wanted it to be the most sustainable product. And then, yeah, reality catches up and you kind of have to make concessions. And um, I mean, for us, our packaging was really important. But from day one, we weren't able to offer like a biodegradable packaging. So at the beginning, we had to use plastic and because we were on such small volumes. So, yeah, like launching a business when you want to make it really sustainable, sometimes um, you have to like kind of yeah make concessions uh over time but I I'm quite proud Paula because I feel like as we I mean it's always like it's it's a balance basically you you want to be sustainable but you also have to have like uh, well we're not profitable yet but like you you have to be building a um healthy business um and it has to somehow be profitable otherwise it it's not going to last long run um so I mean Paula what would you say with that. Um, no, I, I completely uh, agree with you. And I think what was important for us is because when we, we started our, our work life, uh, Madeleine was doing um, carbon compensation and I was working in the energy sector. So it was quite sustainability oriented. But the thing is, uh, we were quite frustrated uh, because we, we were thinking it's not going fast enough or I, I don't feel that I'm that useful. And, and when you start a business, you can see your impact every day. And it was really important for us to measure that impact very early on. So it could give us some motivation to, to grow the business. So that's how we, I think we combined both, uh, you know, the sustainability bit and the, the business part. That's, that's really cool because I think a lot of people, especially just like what you said about the impact, I think a lot of people want to go into this thinking I've got an impact. And I know a lot of people, I've felt that and a lot of people in that world of environmentalism do want to feel that. And I think it's true. I think it sounds like, I mean, I've not grown a business obviously, but it sounds like being able to watch something grow is probably pretty mm. special. And just going back to something you mentioned, Maddie, of like, cause I was going to ask about, you, you've got some commitments about like sustainable packaging and um, you know the food source and things like that. I mean, if you were to recommend to people to start a sustainable business, it does strike me as just so all-consuming that you can't focus on making every one bit like perfect at that point. So yeah. do you think there's any good advice to give to people who are trying to start up, but are just like, this is not sustainable yet, you know? Yeah, I think you have to um, decide what is important for you um, as a person. I know that for Paula and I, from day one, we wanted to uh, we wanted to offer pet food that wasn't extremely expensive because we wanted them, like many people, to be able to afford the pet food. And we, yeah, so so bearing that in mind, we knew that we would have to make some concessions. Um, 
at the beginning it was packaging now we've found a solution for that or like protein content um we have high protein content but we can't add loads and loads and loads of insects because it's still a, a protein source that costs a lot but i think definitely decide what is important for you so for us it was to be able to feed as many um, dogs and cats as possible um, offer them the best quality food obviously um, for us made in France was also quite important um, but now that we're exporting more and more I'd say we're kind of shifting we're, we're, we're rethinking things just to give you an example so um, we've got a lot of interest from South Korea And so it's really cool, you know, we're, we're really flattered that people in South Korea want to feed their dogs insect-based pet food, let alone our brand, excuse my dog. But we, we thought, well, this isn't very sustainable because it's manufactured in France. All of the ingredients are basically sourced in France or in neighboring countries. Um, and now we're shipping it all the way to South Korea. So that's short term, it's not very sustainable. But then if we look more medium to long run, What we really want to do is to be able to find uh, manufacturing partners and insects farms in those different countries and basically be able to replicate what we've been doing in France for the past two years and do it somewhere else. And I feel like if there's already a brand doing it well and that they can see that it's working in one country and they want to export it, try it in their own market and then, try, yeah, we can help them build the same brand over there, then I think that would be the next level of success for us. And yet we would still be sustainable. I mean, I think we would be sustainable, but we, there would be a transitioning phase where, yeah, we wouldn't be the most sustainable pet food business in the world. And I, and I would add, I mean, for, for people that want to start their business, it's, it's, it's not, uh, if you have the best product in the world and no one wants to buy it because it's too expensive or too complicated to get it, then it's kind of a failure, you know? So that was our philosophy as well. So making it accessible quite early on to people, you mean? Yes, exactly. Try to confront yourself with the people that need your product as fast as possible and then build on and, 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 and make it more and more sustainable. Yeah, love that. And you, you just started talking about the next phases because it's, it's quite a niche. I mean, it's not like it's novel in terms of people have never heard of insect protein before, but it's quite a niche area to be in. So uh, we have very exciting uh, news about that. Um, so we're launching a, a vet product that uh, we, we launched actually a vet product that is special uh, for clinics. So that's another kind of market adventure and it's, it's quite exciting. This morning, let alone I visited three clinics and it was quite interesting. And it's called EntoVet. Uh, we also we also looking more and more into uh, specialized shops and uh, and even supermarkets. So we we I mean I think we can talk about it, Madeleine. But uh, we just signed a contract with Carrefour in France, which is a big uh, brand uh, supermarket brand, and uh, so we will be launching soon in 160 supermarkets. So that's really exciting. We got just got the news. Uh, this week so lots of work ahead and uh, it's going to be really exciting and yeah it's also exciting because as we were saying it's making it available to a lot of people who don't necessarily buy pet food online and still buy their pet food with their other groceries so yeah we're we're, we're really excited about that next step and also because at the moment our clients are quite environmentally aware environmentally conscious they you know order sustainable products etc but when you go 
and buy things in Carrefour. For us, it's an it's an opportunity to like uh, target different kinds of clients. Um, so yeah, it's it's a new step for us. Yeah, congrats. That is awesome. That is awesome. Again, like I think the nicheness of it makes it important to be able to get to people, right? Mm. Would you ever get into human food? I don't think no. so. <laughs> no. I think we'll see pets. I, I mean, I have to say, I really enjoy branding insect-based pet food. Mm. <laughs> and we have a lot of fun. I think for humans, I don't know, I'll leave someone else to do that. <laughs> okay, so again. There's a lot of uh, cats and dogs to feed that's very true. Uh, would you, okay, coming back to this idea of like green entrepreneurship, which might be a poor way of branding it, but I think it's important because we're kind of in this golden age of chatting about entrepreneurial you know, techniques and personalities. What do you mm. think makes a good entrepreneur? I'll ask both of you. Be my guest, Tola. Um... <laughs> So actually, I've been thinking about that, and I think one of the, the best advice I've had is that uh, a good entrepreneur is someone that is able to um, do a lot of mistakes in a very short amount of time. It's not necessarily having uh, the right, don't make the right movies, being able very quickly to change and, and pivot, try a lot of things, um, fail a lot of things, and some of it will succeed, and, and, and I think that makes a good entrepreneur. Um, for me, um, I would also say um, another great piece of advice I was given at the beginning is that entrepreneurship is a marathon and it isn't a sprint. And that really, really resonates. I think that sometimes when Paula and I are overwhelmed and we feel like our management isn't great and we feel like we don't really have good ideas and we're not very efficient. I mean, for that, for me, it all boils down to am I trying to sprint right now and should I just try and take a step back I mean I think Paola and I are definitely not the kind of entrepreneurs that forget themselves and work crazy hours etc and I think that's also what has made our success so far is that we've really managed to keep a balance between um, like our time off our holidays with friends um, our extra activities like our, our life isn't to mojo um, and I think that's quite important so yeah for me a, an entrepreneur is well at least in my view is someone who obviously is very very dedicated dedicated to what they do but also has like a, a long-term vision and isn't flat out from day one yeah that feels important as well because there are lots of entrepreneurial types who go and give advice and say you know you've got to be 100% in it. and obviously that's true like I think what you guys have done is amazing and it must have taken an outrageous amount of dedication but reminding people to take a bit of self-care, I think is the missing piece in entrepreneurship advice. So I really like that. Um, and there's also something else I want to know about is your philosophies on leadership, because you are two young women who have created something very cool that the world needs. And whilst business doesn't need to be a gender issue, but there is obviously a lot of talk about female leadership for uh, the right reasons. And it'd just be interesting to know what, yeah, what your philosophy on leadership is. Um, that's a good question. Actually. We're going through that at the moment. I, I mean, yeah, as you said at the beginning, we were just two young women, had an idea, didn't really know how to go about it. And one thing led to the other. And now we've got this like small business, we've got em employees. And yeah, we're having to kind of find our way around leadership. Um, and Paula and I were discussing this last week. And we, I mean, for us, someone like being a good leader is giving enough space for people to 
um, have their freedom to like make mistakes and try new things and really own what they what they're in charge of and not micromanagement and obviously when when you start your own startup you, you, I mean we were doing everything just the two of us from day one and and so as we recruit people we we're a bit scared of like letting them do do whatever it is they have to do but yeah so for me it's like giving them enough freedom to do things maybe better better than Paola and I I, mean, I, I think um now if we're if we're doing things right we're recruiting people for specific tasks and they can do it actually much better than us <laughs> um and just having the yeah like putting our ego to one side and just thinking yeah it's really cool that we can work with people um who can help us build this business that we're trying to do I mean yeah we had the idea but and um, we need we depend on other people to join us to make it even better no, I completely agree. And I think one of our role as uh, as leader, I would say now that we have a small team is obviously starting a business and, and, and this is growing very fast and there's a lot of pressure. And one of our role is, is maybe to take a bit of that pressure and not put it on the people uh, we are working with. And and for that, we, we obviously we communicate a lot about our fears and everything, but we try to be as transparent as, as possible. And, and also, to have a bit of a sense of humor about what's going on, you know, so not taking things too seriously at points, you know, at times. So there's no like, it's important. There's no like good cop, bad cop. Okay, you take today, you do this, like. No, and actually at the beginning, um, when we recruited our first employees with Paola, we thought, okay, we're going from having this business with my best friend where we can laugh about anything and everything all day long. And then we thought, no, we need to get professional now um and so the first few months I don't know about you I mean at the same time it was really good for us because I think we needed to become a bit more professional but it was also nice to see that we could still have our very close relationship from like childhood friends and within the business like when when we're at work with Tomoja and with our team we're not Paola and Madeline who are just business partners with Paola and Madeline who are very close friends and everyone knows that and I think that's also what they appreciate about joining the business so I mean amongst other things <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, but no I think yeah we, we've managed to create like a nice atmosphere for people to work in. Yeah, good. It's it's again. It seems like this kind of like revolution of green businesses, and I keep you know I say female leadership, but just nice leadership. Like it doesn't have to be a gendered thing. Of like this is kind of where the the future of these nice sustainable countries uh, countries companies can can get to. Sort of coming to bringing the story to an end. Uh, I know you spoke about this a bit earlier, but particularly to to you know not not just young women, but women who are looking to get into business what sort of advice would you give them to actually sort of just get into it, just make a step or even just come up with ideas or like you guys had each other to sort of push each other on. But if there's someone who's thinking, I would like to do this and I don't have anyone to do it with, could you think of any advice that you might want to give them to get into, a, you know, a sustainable business concept? Yes. My, my first advice would be not to keep it to yourself and, uh, and to speak about it as to as many people as you, as you want. Uh, because when you when you have an idea, you tend to want to keep it to yourself and have a, have this secret. But no one is going to take your idea. I mean, you have to 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 confront it to people, and uh, and I think it's it's a it's a good first step. And when you see that the, a lot of people think your idea is a good idea, then you know it's encouragement to to go further. Yeah, and once you've done that first step, I would say to try and join a um, 
an incubator or something like we joined a program um which was for people like us who just had an idea but had hadn't done any work whatsoever on it like it wasn't even a business or incorporated or anything and that really helped us because we were with people at the same stage as us as us so we could really share our opinions and our uh, frustrations and etc and we also met people who were more advanced than us and all of that is like a tiny ecosystem of sustainability avids who want to try and make a difference and for, for us that really really helped um, and we still are in contact with them now and yeah trying to find the right environment um, for your business to grow is, is quite important. And are they easy to find? I mean I'm asking kind of for myself now as well I'm taking notes like it's interesting. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we can. Um, well, so we were in the French um, startup ecosystem, but um, we can look it out in the UK. Um, ours was called Ticket for Change. So it was like a six month program. But yeah, there are loads of incubators now that have like the kind of pre incubation um, programs. No, and I think it's important because um, you see a lot of stories about great entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs, and, and it can be kind of frightening and being like, I, I don't have, I'm, I'm, I'm not capable of doing this, but it's actually a process and you, and you, and you acquire the mindsets uh, and it's, it's very progressive and you acquire it by, by meeting other people that are doing the same thing. So it's important to surround yourself with people that are actually uh, doing businesses. That's lovely because I think a lot of people as well think of entrepreneurship as like lone wolf and doing this by myself, but you, you don't really get a lot of people saying talk to people and connect. So I think that's a really lovely, a lovely thing to tell people. Uh, and just because that's taken us nicely there, one last thing I would like to ask. This will go out to people and actually this is really practical, which I think is really lovely for everyone. But what do you think is the one thing you would recommend people to do? It could be starting a business, it could be not to do the starting a business. What's the one thing you would recommend people to do to improve their impact on the planet? Actually, I, I've been thinking about this little, and I think, and I'm, I'm actually not that good at it, but it would be to learn how to repair things instead of buying them and, and maybe look a bit into consumption and, and try to repair or restore the things you have before buying them, before starting a business, maybe. For me, um, I think it's a really tough question, but I think it, it would be just do something that seems doable for you. So for instance, for me, it was give up meat. Um, that was doable for me, but for other people, it would not be doable. For some people, it could be just travel less, don't take, I mean, I don't know. I think it really depends on each personality and what you're actually capable of doing. Cause I know that for instance, um, for me, yeah, I mean, it would be pretty frustrating if I'd never got on a plane anymore in my whole life, but I'm trying, I'm trying, but I, I don't know, I feel like some people try and do everything at the same time, and it just gets a bit too overwhelming, so something that's doable for you, <laughs> whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, talking about like baby steps, and like you yeah. said, something that's doable for you, I think that's really important, because like you said, there's lots of stuff out there telling us we're all bad for not doing the right things, but mm. yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much. That was really, really great. Oh, thank you, Max. See you. Bye. Salut.